Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible or you can use a Bible that's under one of the chairs in either one of the auditoriums, um, you can also use your cell phone if you'd like to. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And in terms of an introductory thought... I was watching a couple guys, I was helping a little bit, watching a couple guys move a hot tub the other day. So here's a picture of some guys moving a hot tub. These aren't the guys, but did you know a hot tub average weight is like 500 pounds? And so I could have moved it for them, but I thought I would let them feel strong. Anyway, uh, so the hot tub is going on, and, and uh, so that's part of the story They had moved it off of this lift truck thing, and there was just one guy, it was a pretty buff guy, on one side they were going to lower it down because it was up on its end, not unlike the picture. But as this guy's starting to come down with this, this thing, I come around the corner, and then I see laying right kind of under the edge of it where it's going to come down, a moving trot dolly thing. What are those called? Moving dolly. All right? But it wasn't sitting like that. It was sitting with the sharp steel edge up. Now listen. Right in line. This is my perception. It was right in line where this guy's hand was going to come down with 500 pounds. And it was going to come right across there. And so he's about 10 inches from that thing coming down like this. And I came around the corner and it cut off. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, ah! no, but that's what I did. I, 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 and I didn't make that noise because that would have been like a girl. I, but it was pretty close, and I said, whoa, and you know, and so he stops and it's like, whoa, <laughs> and and I, whoa, and, and he looked down and you know, and I, pull, I just said, I don't know what you're gonna do, man. That looks like that's gonna hurt your finger. No, I didn't. I pulled the dolly thing out, and he's like, thanks, and put it down, and. Everything was okay. So I use that little idea to help us maybe all ask the question, have you ever been in a situation, and maybe you're in one now, where you see a person or a family or a thing headed in a direction, and you can see right now, this is a bad plan, and if somebody doesn't do something, someone's going to get hurt. Now, may not be, I'm not talking about just physically, but Emotionally, financially, you're looking and going, bad direction, so this is, and you're also thinking, or you will see this this week, you'll be in a situation. It's not just, it's, oh gosh, this is going to turn out poorly, but also, I could make a difference. Now, I venture to say most of us, either have situations now, or you'll see one soon, or you've been in a situation like that. Anybody with me? You just see those things. Um, A word that I could interject here is the word intervene or intervention. Intervention is a noun. It means the action or process of intervening. The verb form intervening means to come between so as to prevent or alter a result. And what we're talking about now, it's in a good way. 
And I would submit to you that the, the greatest or one of the great opportunities that you and I have as human beings is when we see a difficult thing about to happen, we do something. Whether it's a smaller thing, let's just say you're in the parking lot and it's a really windy day and, you're, and you watch one of the grocery carts start to sail across the parking lot and you're like, that baby's going to run into someone's car. The best part of you will, will get out of your car and stop the shopping cart and not just pick up your cell phone and go, this is going to be something. That's the bad part of you. The good part of you is I could do something to keep to change this story, the trajectory of this story. I'm grateful to be part of a of a of a nation that uh, multiple times has seen injustice in the world. I think of World War II when Hitler was killing people, and the nation we you know the leadership of the nation decided. We're going to intervene. We're going to do something. The greatest, of course, the greatest example of an intervention is Jesus Christ. From heaven, God looked down (laughs) at what was going on and said, this is a mess. This is not going well. And he didn't just stay in heaven and go, that looks bad. Get your cell phone, Jesus. This is going to be a wreck. He intervened and changed for many of us in the room, changed our lives. Galatians 1.3, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. It's, a, it's an intervention. It's not just Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who affected the ripple effect of his life, millions of people. And he says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might, say it, save. I might save some people, help them. There's one more that just came came up in my Bible time on Friday morning in uh, Galatians. I just read this verse and it challenged me. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. And I think that applies to what we're talking about today. Like if you can do something good to help the bad thing not happen in that person's life, we ought to do that. So uh, hold that thought. We're in a series called Facing Your Giants. We're looking at the spiritual journey of a great warrior in the Old Testament named David. Um, And so you might think, oh, David is going to intervene in a situation. But actually, the story we're looking at there's a woman named Abigail, and David is going to head in an arguably bad direction. There's a woman named Abigail who intervenes and keeps David from ultimately doing something he would have regretted, I believe, and it would have had uh, a horrible effect on some life. So that's what we're going to look at today, try to learn from today. I'll try to set the scene again, First Samuel 25. Uh, this is toward... The end of a season, David is destined to be king, but he's not there yet. So this is several years into a season where David's living out in the wilderness, trying to avoid the present king who's 
uh, trying to kill him and do stuff to him. So David, it's not just David. David, as he's been living out kind of away from society, there's a bunch of other, I'd describe them as good, rebellious warriors. I don't know what that means. But like he's, if you ever remember Robin Hood? No? Grape Road. Are you paying attention? But like Robin Hood was kind of out and he had these people, but they were doing the right. Anyway, that's kind of the situation with David. He's been living out in the wilderness doing this thing for six, five, six, seven years. He's out there with his, his band of merry men. Anyway, while he's in today's text, while he's out there, he becomes aware of one of his wilderness neighbor farmer guys, a shepherd who is in the midst of a sheep shearing celebration. And so David is going to send some messengers to this man named Nabal and say, hey, I hear you're having a sheep shearing celebration, whatever. And basically says, could you send some food our way? By the way, not uh, pretty appropriate for the culture of the day. And if you read this whole chapter, David had been a great neighbor to Nabal. Okay? By the way, read the whole chapter in your Bible time this week. Uh, I'm going to have to bounce around because uh, otherwise we'll be here a long time just reading. So get what you can. 1 Samuel 25, verse 4. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name, saying to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole, uh, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing was, I'm sorry, nothing of theirs was missing. Therefore, be favorable to toward my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. Can you share some of your blessing and food, Nabal? Let me sum up Nabal's response. You can read it if you'd like. Basically, Nabal says, David who? Never heard of him. Sounds like a freeloader to me, but he knows who David is. So that's his response. By the way, you may want to watch how you respond to a warrior-type dude who's been living in the wilderness for seven years. That's what I wonder, whether all this wilderness stuff finally got... Because what David then says after they come back and say, David, he wasn't impressed. And he's, David says to his 400 of his pals, he says, strap on, I think it says, strap on your sword. Is that what he says to him? Yeah. That's Bible talk for strap on your sword. I don't know. It's Bible talk for... Grab the stuff, because we're going to go teach this guy. By the way, if you go down to like verse 22, you get a little more insight. Here's what David is thinking. David is thinking, may God deal. By the way, he speaks in third person. He's really mad. May God, this is David talking about himself. May God deal with David. Be like, David, that's you. That's all right. I'm just mad. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive, I leave alive one male of all who belong to Nabal. He is mad, had, had, So here comes the intervention. Some servants 
tell Abigail, who is Nabal's wife, this is bad. We're about to die. And so, verse 18. Abigail acted quickly. This is what we're going to learn from. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. End of verse 19. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey, bowed, ta- bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, this is intervention, folks, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal, my husband. <laughs> she doesn't say that. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. She says a few more things. Now verse 27. And, and let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. She says a a few more things about, I know who you are and you're destined to be king and all those things. Verse 32 is David's response. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day. He finishes with, it says, Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought to him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. title of the talk this weekend is Disaster Relief. David benefits, by the way, it's not just David, benefits from uh, an intervention. I'm going to give you, well, I'm going to try to give you four points today. Some of you are like, God, this is going to be bad because I've never, I haven't done a four-point talk in forever. Because it, So in about four hours, we'll be done. I'm just kidding. I'm going to mash two of them together right at the beginning because I just didn't want to skip them. All right? So you can, you can sort through them. I'm going to punch a couple of them, and then we'll, we'll dwell a little more on two more ideas. Uh, but before I even pray, will you think, because some of us may have a situation right now that could use your help. It's a person, and they're headed in a direction and you could be helpful. Uh, and if, it's, if you don't have anybody coming to mind now, this week, you'll see something, probably, if not this week, this month. So let's just, with those things in mind, let's pray. Help us, God. Yeah, that's a pretty good prayer. Help us. We live in a world, a lot of us have friends, family, co-workers that could sure use some help because we can see the direction of that decision and it's somebody's, it's going to hurt. So will you teach us, empower us, encourage us today that we might be a difference maker in Jesus' name, amen. So the first uh, two things we're mashing into number one, 
about Abigail's successful intervention, and it's this. Abigail's successful intervention included acting quickly and alone. I'm going to hit this very quickly. <laughs> acting quickly and alone. The quick part is, this is easy. If she doesn't do something right away, people are going to die. Does that make sense? There is an open door to make a difference. She's got to get through that door now. And so any situation, some of the situations that you know of now, that I know of now, that door opens and that door closes. I just had one of these early, earlier today in uh, uh, the service before this one um, here at church. We were doing worship. Worship was going really well. And I looked over to my left and there was a young lady that I know a little bit, had some conversations with her. And during worship, uh, instead of uh, engaging like most of us would be trying to do, she was sitting and she was weeping. And she was just, you know, you could look over and, and see physically weeping. And uh, so it was a really cool story. Uh, so I, by the way, I got to either do something then or she's probably not going to cry for the next six days. I mean, you got to do so. I walked around and tried not to let anyone see, but I came around and I just sat next to her, like hopefully like a, like a dad, and I just I just put my arm around her, and 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 then she turned toward and she put her head on my shoulder and she just cried. She and I and uh, I said very little, and but see, I, I've got to do that now. But here here was the even neater part for me, because then uh, as the worship was finishing, I'm like I'm supposed to I'm supposed to preach. Uh, I'm not sure I can see. So I said a few things to her, and I got up to move back and come. And three other women uh, in the body of Christ that were over here saw it happen. I got up to move back to my seat. Three ladies got up, moved right next to her, and did this thing for the rest of the worship time. It was just really cool. And, yeah, I'm really grateful for the body of Christ prompting. But, see, you got to do that now. Does that make sense? So there's times you just got to figure out how. Okay, well, that was way too long on that point if we're going to do four. The other thing here is, uh, is the alone part, and that is I noticed that in verse 19 that Abigail, it says she did not tell her husband, <laughs> Nabal. Because, see, if she tells Nabal, hey, I think I'm going to go give David stuff, how many know there's going to be a conversation? Probably. And do you know that sometimes conversations end up turning into committee meetings? And this is my experience with committees. You say, hey, someone's got a great idea. Well, let's have a committee. Oh, and then the committee doesn't finish. They just have another meeting. And pretty soon, pretty soon you can process away the opportunity to save the day. I just made that rhyme just for you. But you can process... Here's my theory. I can have five conversations. If I have five conversations about something that God's asking me to do or an opportunity that I have, by the fifth conversation, I will, be, I will lose God's will. That's just a theory. I'm not saying that's true Bible. But if you talk very often to too many people, you start to go, what? Well, yeah, I never thought of that. Oh, I didn't think that. But meanwhile, the train wreck happened. And you're like, well, I thought maybe that's what would happen. That looks like that'll hurt. Okay, so we can do better 
And sometimes you just need to do what God asks you to do. This is not dismissing the value of godly counsel. Sometimes, I guess I'll say it this way, you don't need counsel. You know what you're supposed to do. Just go do it. Grape road. All right, so that was acting quickly and alone. Let's dive into two more a little deeper. The next one is Abigail's successful intervention included spending some money. Some of you are like, oh, no. Spending some money. Look at this list of things that it cost her. 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep. There's a whole list. And so I actually did my best to do some math and in today's terms, think of how much did this cost her in this? So here's some ideas. The first one was 200 loaves of bread, let's say $2 a loaf, 400 bucks. Next one, what was the next one? Two skins of wine. How much is a skin of wine? It looks like you would know. How much is a skin of <laughs> He's like, I don't know. So, so I got online, and I figured a skin might be close to like a box of wine. So a box of wine, 15 bucks or so. And so that's probably the cheap wine, isn't it? The 15? That's the, that's the teenager wine. <laughs> Although some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But we need to move on. Two skins of wine, five sheep. I did, you know, how much is a sheep? $300, $1,500. You want another tangent for a moment? I'm, I'm exploring sheep stuff, and I realized that's sheep stuff. And I got online. I, all of a sudden, I was on this Google tangent on goats. Did you know people try to raise extra large goats? You, I didn't know this either. This is a picture of world record goats. That's a goat. It's a 600-pound goat. That's not a goat. That's a cow with a goat head. That's crazy. Okay, back to the point. So five sheep, $1,500, five seahs of grain. If you're like, I don't know what a seah is. I did some like a seah, one seah of grain is, this will be helpful, is a third of an ephah. (laughs) I was cracking myself up. That's not helpful. I don't know. It's a a bushel kind of thing. Anyway, and I, I got tired of trying to figure it out. So raisins, figs, question mark, 200 cakes of raisins, all that stuff. But here's my point. This is my guess. Somewhere between $2,500 and, and $3,500 it would have cost in today's terms to do this intervention. That's a, like, right for most of us, that's a, that's a chunk. But if we apply it to our own situations, here's the idea. Avoiding a coming tragedy might cost a little coin. And I know, I'll, just, I'll, I'll wait for you to write that in. And I know we all have different measures of finances available. And you know what? I'm not a big fan of If there's a problem, the first thing we could do is throw money at it. But I would argue some of the things for us is there's a situation and we should throw a little money at it. Four bucks, 14 bucks, there's a person in a situation. And all of us need to assess the measure of money that we have. And here's an argument. 
and be generous accordingly. For some of us, we're in the, this just happened to me, I was in a quick mart and a woman was counting out a change to try to get just some stuff and I could see pretty quickly that's not enough change to get that much stuff and so it was real easy for me to say, it's okay, you can keep your change and it cost me, I don't know, four bucks, six bucks, I don't know what it was. But I had that much, I was going to pay for some gas. She looked at me like I was the nicest guy in the world which is wrong, but she, <laughs> and I remember thinking, I, I remember thinking a little bit, a little bit like, I wish we lived in a world where more people, folks, that did not affect my financial, we still made our payments that month. Or, or do you know what I mean? So, but by the way, for some of us, four bucks, you can do that. That's part of general. Some of you, 40 bucks, you can do that. You're not going to, for some of us, 400 bucks, you could make a huge difference in some. Some of us, 4,000, I don't know what the means. Some of you could take, well, I don't know, $40,000 and put it in some third world situation and change the trajectory. You could intervene in potentially Thousands and thousands of people's lives. But it's cost us some money. That'd be a good thing to do. Before we get off this point, uh, I want to remind us, this is mostly uh, for those of us that are trying to follow Jesus, and even if you're exploring Jesus, these are some of the things that a Christian is supposed to do a little differently. All right? Christian financial reminders. Number one, don't hoard it. Don't hoard it. If you want to write out to the side, Luke chapter 12. There's a parable. It's described as the parable of the rich fool. And here's his big mistake. After a big harvest and things are going really well for him materially, he says in verse 18, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there, here's his mistake. I will store my surplus. Some of our surplus is not for you. It's not for me. Some of it's okay if you want to save some. There's, but some of the surplus is not for us. And you get that little extra, twenty-six dollars. You didn't think you were going to have that, or two, some of that's not for you. God's equipping you to intervene in some other life. Don't store it. Number two, use it to make friends. Here's what we should do with our finances. Use it to make friends. Some of you are like, what? Yeah. Jesus said in Luke 16, it's in the midst of a parable, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. I think this is part of what happened in the Abigail-David story. Because David, when he first meets Abigail, they're enemies. But then Abigail says, I brought some figs. Right? And it's amazing how quickly David goes from, you know, grab your swords to, oh, figs. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. But he's like, I like figs. Okay, we'll be friends. <laughs> okay, last one is trust God. Christian financial reminder. Trust God. This is, again, for, for those of us who have decided we've settled the lordship issue and we are serving God. We're not just acknowledging Jesus as our Savior. We are serving 
God, as best we know how, there are promises God has your back when you are serving him. When he sent out the disciples in Matthew 10, he says, don't take gold or silver, copper with you. goes on to say the worker is worth his keep. There are promises. Take some risks. Wow. We got one more point to get through. So the last thing you can fill in, well, no, there's more fill in the blanks. Abigail's successful intervention included, ready, a servant-hearted approach. I can do this quickly. A servant-hearted approach. We're going to put a big section of Scripture up. It's from verses 23 to 27. We've highlighted some things. Look at the wording and her posture. She bows down. She has her face to the ground. Eight times she either said she either calls herself your servant or she refers to him as my Lord. Feel that? Posture of service toward him. I'm here, I'm here ultimately, David, to help you. I also noticed that she actually distanced herself from the problem, which was her husband Nabal. Right? In verse 25, when she says, Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal, my husband. By the way, this is not a marriage counseling verse. <laughs> Ladies, better make sure you're in God's will before you go. Uh, my wicked, okay? <laughs> but in this setting, she distanced herself from her husband with, with David. Here's an idea. You can write this in. Abigail knew when and who to schmooze. The schmooze. Is that still a word? Yeah, you schmooze. You serve and be extra kind and, and, all, and, and that. If we're going to intervene and help other people, I'm going to finish with this, with this illustration idea. There are a couple ways we can do it. Okay, pretend with me. Uh, there's a guy standing on this side of the table, and I want to help him. I'm going to, I'm going to put the name, a name with the, the illustration uh, just became aware of a friend of mine uh, from years ago. I haven't talked to him in a long, long time. Uh, we'll call him Bob. And apparently, the trajectory of Bob's life has gotten really, really bad. I just found out a couple weeks ago he's now homeless. He was super sharp, uh, was a help to me, a leader in our class kind of a thing. And he's uh, apparently uh, become uh, addicted to alcohol, potential other drugs, and life is a mess. Okay, so pretend Bob, not his real name, but... Bob is here, and I'm over here. Two ways I can approach to try to be helpful to Bob. One is I can come on this side of the table, and I can say, Bob, what are you doing? Now, look, what about your kids? Got kid, What about your kids? What about this? this? What about, I know his wife's name. What about, that's now divorced. What? I can do, either do it that way, or this is a better way. I can come around the table and say, Bob, now let's take a look here at where we're headed. This is not going to turn out well. What can we do so that the, that pain does not happen in your life and in your kids' lives? What can we, this is not working. Do you see the difference in posture? One is 
come, one is this way and the other is this way. Can I tell you something that uh, is important for you to know? Something that we can celebrate? I'm so glad that we serve a God who many, 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 many times doesn't just come at us and point his finger and say, come on, goofball. What are he sent Christ from heaven. Some of you know this. And you're a goofball. And instead of confronting head on, he sent Jesus Christ to come alongside. Someone should shout or something, because this is really good. Because we are, were, can still be idiots. And we're, we, head in, we head towards Stupidville, and we hurt people, and we're going to hurt people, and God, God could have, should have, had every right. Gosh, he still could do this to me, and it would be totally appropriate. Man, when I was headed, he should have just come up this side of the table and went, Poosh, and I, I deserve that. You do. I deserve that. I was maybe worse than you. Probably not. But instead of punching us in the face and knocking us out, he says, I'm going to come around and I'm going to send my spirit and we're going to go to work on this. That's the idea. You want to be great at, at making a difference with people, you will not forget the idea of coming alongside. One of the names for the Holy Spirit is, is paraclete, and it's come alongside. I'm grateful for a God who is that kind of a God. And we should be like that. Last fill in the blank. When it comes to an intervention, prioritize putting an arm around. Yeah. I want to be a church like this. I want to be a church like this. We'll make a difference in the world. Some of these points are not irrelevant to the idea of 24 hours to love our city, folks, if you haven't signed up for that. Whereas we're basically trying to put our arm around our city and head it in a good direction. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Two opportunities. One over here. We have a prayer team that would, whether figuratively or physically, they would put their arm around you. And Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.